0: Showtime Sports presents Showtime Boxing with Eric Raskin and Kieran Mulvaney. Welcome to a special midweek
1: bonus episode of Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney. An extra portion that we had to serve because just one a week wasn't going to be enough to cope with the fallout from the big upset. The reverberations of which Eric is still echoing all across the globe, I think it's fair to say. They
2: are. They really are. I, I still cannot get over that big upset. It, it, it was shocking. I mean... I know that every challenger has a chance. Anything is possible. But, wow, I still can't believe Jeopardy! James
1: lost. (laughs) Hey, Hey, so it turns out he has a pretty good social media game, that dude, which I hadn't actually realized. Um, uh, You've been retweeting him a fair bit. It was quite witty of him to tweet that he knew he shouldn't have invited Drake to the final taping, (laughs) because that's a meme that apparently still hasn't played out. Um, And... He apparently wasn't the only person to make that mistake. Because a short while ago, Canada's favourite obnoxious NBA fan was actually (laughs) photographed with one Anthony Oluwafemi Joshua. And we, well, that also went fairly poorly because... Mm. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? There was another (laughs) shock. There was another shock. Yes, on Saturday at Madison Square Garden in New York, unfancied Andy Ruiz Jr. dropped Joshua four times en route to a seventh-round stoppage that secured for him a significant share of the heavyweight championship of the world. Yeah, boxing's glamour division is as interesting as it's been in many years. The balance of power keeps shifting. And on this special edition of the pod, we're welcoming a man who is one of the power players and surely has a lot of insider insights and opinions about what's been going on. He's a man who can literally come on the podcast pretty much whenever he pleases. And we're not just happy to have him because he's our boss. Uh, Showtime sports president and recent Sam Taub Award winner from the Boxing Writers Association of America, Stephen Espinosa. And Stephen, you know, you may not have been aware of this. I'm not sure if you keep a running tally. You probably do. But you had fallen into a three-way tie for most appearances on the podcast, along with Steve Farhood oh, really? and Gary Russell Jr. Yes, but this brings you back ahead again. So congratulations. Well,
0: Far- Farhood does not... Does not it really surprise me because he's obviously very knowledgeable. But three appearances by Gary Russell—that's quite an achievement. I'm, uh, he's our I'm new—he's our new favorite. <laughs> yeah, he—he's obviously a fan of you guys as well. <laughs> but
2: you're—you're you're back ahead of him now, and that's—that's that's the important. Okay. thing. Right? first place <laughs> all well, right yourself. Um, thank you so so before we get into some of the more businessy questions and uh, and we talk about all of last week's Deontay Wilder news and so forth I'd like to start with your reaction as a viewer to what went down in the ring on Saturday night at Madison Square Garden how stunned were you to see Andy Ruiz dropping Anthony Joshua over and over and What percent of your brain is watching, not as a fight fan, but as a Showtime executive, constantly calculating the business implications as you take in a fight Uh, like
0: that? that, That's a a really good question. Um, I I was shocked. You know, I, I, like you guys, have probably heard this undercurrent of, hey, Andy Ruiz is not a pushover. Mm. He's a skilled guy, good chin, you know, surprisingly quick. And I was aware that... uh, I didn't think it was going to be a, a one-round blowout, um, but I it really had no inclination that something like this would happen. Um, there are those who have questioned Joshua's chin, but I think even those who questioned it didn't foresee something like this happening. So I was um, absolutely stunned when it actually happened. You know, I, I think in retrospect you can sort of piece together, yeah, Andy had some of the tools, but. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think anyone can say in all honesty, that they saw this coming. Um, there are people who have gone out on a ledge and said, "Ah, you know, he's got a shot here, but I, I defy anyone to point at any performance in his past that said he was capable of this. So right. I, I think it's um, really a testament to Andy that he elevated his game and was not uh, was not scared of the moment, um, saw the opportunity, had a lot of heart. Um, because I think it wasn't just the fact that he's coming in against long odds and the physical disparities, you know, um, visually and aesthetically. It it was the fact that, you know, he was knocked down. He was, you know, another couple punches away from the fight ending in the third round and all of us, you know, viewing this as a a forgettable fight, you know, not remembering it in in two weeks. So to come back from from that point, from the precipice of, of being knocked out, and respond the way he did, I thought was uh, was was really really impressive, and I think at that point, um, it's probably eighty percent fan, twenty percent executive. Okay, uh, because it, it's one of those things where, as much as I'm you know I'm viewing it, it's and and people you know may take this a long way and say this is you know uh, gloating or celebrating, I, you know I, I wasn't sort of energized or thrilled by you know, whatever business implications, it's energizing as a, as a boxing fan to see this kind of underdog story and be reminded that as much as things seem like a foregone conclusion, often they, they never are in this sport. Um, and I certainly don't wish a loss or, or anything on, on Anthony Joshua. I think he's a credit to the sport. Um, and, and he, you know, certainly got, uh, he's certainly going to be back and he's going to continue his career. But a story like this, I mean, you can't, you know, unless you're a British boxing fan, you can't help but fall in love with Andy Ruiz. He's just such a great character, great story. And you just clearly enamored of the moment, just completely overwhelmed that this was happening. I mean, you guys, you know, this is turning into a long-winded answer. I think I'm going on <laughs> you know, 20 minutes on just one question here. But I, I don't know if you guys watched the post-fight press conference. And, and my suspicion is, that, you know, Andy didn't have a lot of experience with post fight press conferences, at <laughs> least not ones that are organized in that sense, because the microphone picked up a lot of stuff that he was saying to his camp that I don't think he really was thinking, hey, um, the microphone's right here. I should be careful. I mean, there were certain, you know, probably three or four times during the post fight press conference where he literally said to himself or to, uh, to the guys in his camp, I can't believe this. I'm pinching myself. <laughs> I can't believe this is happening, right. And it was like you know, it was that just that level of joy, you know, it reminds us why we we love this sport,
1: yep. right that that sort of feeds really well into the into the next question because boxing fans being boxing fans, in the aftermath of this, there were some unhappy people because there were, there were plenty of people who felt. Well, wow, this is just terrible because now the dream fight between Deontay and AJ becomes pointless, at least for now. And even long term it might never be as big again. Um, then again, you know, following on from what you say, you know, some people also say that it's great because of the great Andy Ruiz story. And there's also maybe, is there also a sort of calculating angle here because Ruiz is a PBC fighter and maybe that makes complete unification easier to negotiate. uh, Should he defeat AJ in a rematch? Um, Where are are you? I think I know from your previous answer, but where are you on the sort of good for boxing, bad for boxing scale?
0: I think it's good for boxing in the, in the short run and the long run in the short run. Um, it says, look, um, anything can happen uh, on any given day. And anytime you have these underdog stories, especially with someone who's as likable um, as Andy Ruiz is, it, it's great for the sport. And it has now given us a second moment, so to speak, in the last two or three weeks where something in boxing has broken through on a viral mainstream level. You know, this is certainly not the way that Anthony Joshua wanted to make his name in the U S but now he is far more well-known than he would have been had he now knocked Andy Ruiz out in the third round, like everyone thought he was going to, you know, this has given him a level of name recognition, of course, for the wrong reason. But you know, in the long run, I, I don't know that it, you know, isn't going to serve his purpose. I would still install Anthony Joshua as a favorite, um, in the rematch. Um, you know, I, I know there are some that, think that Andy Ruiz is, um, you know, is, is going to do exactly the same and more the second time around. And I, I think there are a lot of, sort of erroneous comparisons to, you know, Hasim Rachman and Oliver McCall. I, I, I do think it's a critical difference to, to note that this was not a a one-punch strike of lightning. Mm-hmm. That he's coming back from. This was a sustained beating um, and a it, that's a very different thing psychologically and physically and strategically. Right. So I'm I'm not saying that it's, it's a foreign collusion that'll come back, but I do think Anthony would make the adjustments. We'll probably fight a little bit safer and do the things that got him on, you know, to the verge of, of knocking Andy out. And I think at that point, yeah, we're probably back on track for Wilder Joshua with maybe some of the luster lost, but, look um it's it's another great storyline. sometimes you know having you know an imperfect hero is is it, sometimes more endearing than having someone who's you know never gone th- through that adversity mm-hmm. um, you know and, and, and certainly a. j. has gone through adversity, but not in his professional career. It's been sort of a a, a golden journey so far.
2: Well, for what it's worth, the uh, the bookmakers are on the same page as you. They've uh, the the early lines do have uh, Joshua as, as the favorite, which kind of has me licking my chops to to bet on Ruiz. But yeah, it's it's a bit off topic, I suppose. You you did mention that this was uh, the second time in just a couple of weeks that the heavyweight division got some mainstream attention. Of course, you're referencing the big knockout from Deontay Wilder a couple weeks earlier. Um, let, let's shift to the Wilder news. Next up for him is Luis King Kong Ortiz, a rematch to one of 2018's best fights. We don't know yet the date or network or site. Uh, This is not a setup question where I know your answer and I'm teeing you up to announce something. I truly don't know your answer. Uh, Although I have some educated guesses, is there anything that you can tell us about the date, network, or site for that fight at this time?
0: Well, I I think we're looking at um, fourth quarter, Um, which, you know, not a, not a huge uh, headline. Um, <laughs> the network is not determined, but, um, you know, I think that is a matter of sort of negotiation and, and getting details. I expect that we are well positioned to get that, uh, for a variety of reasons. It just, um, haven't finished the deal. So, I mean, we have to make an attractive offer and, 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 do everything that we're capable of doing across the corporation. Um, but, you know, we've come a long way with Deontay, and uh, we expect to continue doing that. So um, I, I expect that we'll we'll get there, um, and we certainly want to keep him in the fold for obvious reasons.
2: Right. Now, Deontay announced this fight during Joshua Ruiz fight week, which uh, kind of— uh, Took a few people by surprise that he the, uh, the timing mm-hmm. uh, of the announcement. What what was your thought on the idea of uh, you know a lot of people have said it's a, a page out of the Mayweather playbook. Uh, the Mayweather
0: him. book, <laughs> yeah. right. Uh,
2: what what, uh, what did uh, you I, think I, of him I, doing that?
0: Well, you know, it's a it's a little. Um, I don't think it was so much that as it was sort of a game of thrones maneuvering and and, uh, and uh, politics, we we don't know, we don't like,
2: reference game of thrones on this podcast even oh, that, that's I, the old I, one. right right that was I, the last I one
0: break my own unwritten <laughs> okay world, right. tie, oh, tie it, it so tie it I into
2: billions be... somehow
0: <laughs> right there we go so at some like i, I there was as much as as sort of uh, you know joshua and at times matchroom has criticized the possibility of wilder ortiz they were also very aggressive in pursuing him, not just as a replacement opponent for the June 1st fight, but as an opponent for the next fight. Mm-hmm. So I think you know this had more to do with positioning and making sure Deontay had credible, you know, good sellable opponents. Because you know if you know um, things go differently on June 1st, you know, in Sunday um, matchroom room dangles a, a huge check in. In front of Ortiz, and Ortiz takes it this time. Then, you know, I'm not sure where Deontay goes. Mm. Um, so I think this had more to do with, you know, acting quickly and not having that, leaving it open, so that Ortiz is available there to be, um, to be taken away, and then, you know, then we're looking at probably fights that no one's all that excited about. Right. So I think I that that goes to the timing and. You know, as with anything boxing, once you've got a deal, it's only a matter of time. You might as well announce it. Otherwise, you know, some, you know, the, the trainer's cousin's brother's sister in laws you going put it on social media and it's going to yeah. get out anyway. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't think that it was a huge surprise. You know, Luis Ortiz was in the ring right after Deontay Wilder uh, knocked out Dominic Brazil. What was a surprise, I think, to a lot of people was that Deontay wasn't done and right after that a couple of days later he he came out with some real out of left field news that assuming he beats ortiz he says i've got the deal signed to fight tyson fury for a rematch there in early 2020 what can you tell us about that if anything
0: i you know i i think it's um you know much like the ortiz situation it's it's a little bit i'll use a different <laughs> analogy this time um <laughs> you know it's musical chairs And it's sort of like, you know, everybody needs to pair up with a partner and whoever's going to be left out is, is, you know, whoever's slowest to, to move. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think looking at having locked up Ortiz, you know, who's the next best option, you know, at some point in the future for Joshua, you know, clearly that's a wilder, uh, excuse me, a, a, a fury fight Mm -hmm. and, who's going to get Fury first? And I, I think so is a, a, once Ortiz is off the table, it's a race to Fury. And, and again, um, Wilder got there first. You know, it's it's clear he's wanted to fight. Um, and I think with the passage of time, Fury has sort of met his incentive, whether it was to get more fights or to get more money or both. Um, but I think, you know, having done that, whether it's some distance from the fight or just collecting more checks, it was now an easier deal to make than it was, you know, the first time around in an immediate rematch.
1: Uh, I mean, I have to say, I mean, I said it on this podcast. I thought that once Fury pulled out of those negotiations and went to top rank in ESPN, I thought that of the, well, I guess now former big three, I I thought he immediately became the least likely one of those to sign on the dotted line with any of the others. I I kind of thought he'd taken himself out of that equation, basically. Obviously, you were aware of this development taking place before the rest of us. But even so, is it a bit of a surprise? given the way that they pulled the rug out on the negotiations just a couple of months ago, that it should come back around again so quickly.
0: Um, it, it was a bit of a surprise and it was a bit of a surprise that once it became the focus that it moved so quickly. Um, mm. I thought that given what happened the first time, it would be a relatively slow, painful, grinding negotiation. Mm. And, and, and it wasn't, it moved quickly and, and relatively easily. So, um, it ended up, you know, in a place that I don't think anyone uh, saw coming. And I think for Deontay, it probably ended up there in a in a better way because if the Fury fight hadn't been made before, you know, Joshua lost, then I think the Fury negotiation is more difficult. Got it. Yeah. Because at that point, Fury has more leg, no leverage. He knows he's. The one attractive option, high level, you know, must make fight, and I think it's a more difficult negotiation than it is when everything's still on the table before Joshua loses. Right.
1: Oh, gotcha. Yeah.
2: So one one last follow up then on Wilder Fury. Is it a totally done deal that, uh, again, assuming Wilder beats Ortiz, that. Fury would be next, uh, that, that there's no chance of Wilder Ruiz slipping in there first now that Ruiz ha- has shaken things up?
0: Uh, you no, know, um, contractually, as of between the fighters, um, it's, a, it's a done deal. Okay. okay. So um, it, it would require another negotiation if something weird happened with the, the Ruiz fight, um, which, uh, you know, as of where we were on Tuesday afternoon, it looks as if you know Wilder. Excuse me, Joshua has now exercised the Ruiz option, so it would right. take something really strange for that rematch mm. to not not occur. Gotcha. Mm.
1: It's um, it's very unusual, to put it mildly, for a fighter who's taking on as tough an opponent as Ortiz to announce his next fight in advance. We always say don't take anything for granted, and boy, were we reminded of that this last weekend. Um, <laughs> did, did did you have any concerns on your part the fact that? you know, after securing this, this one great rematch that he's already talking about another rematch. And, and does that help potentially the Wilder Ortiz to promotion or could it detract from it a little bit if people are looking ahead to Fury?
0: There, there is always uh, the danger of, of sort of lack of focus or uh, dividing your energies across two fights, both from a marketing perspective and a and a fight preparation and, and a a fighter psychology perspective. Those are those are all significant risks. But the upside I think is giving people a sense of direction, um, which is something we rarely get in boxing, is a sense of where is this going? How is this going to play out? So we know, you know, Deontay Wilder, you know, for the foreseeable future is going to rematch in his two most difficult fights. Um, it's a great storyline. And it's Mm -hmm. not just a storyline. It's an actual fact. Um, And my theory with boxing fans is, um, yes, we, and I mean myself as a fan too, we can be impatient. uh, But it's not that they or we expect a monster fight every single time. Mm -hmm. It's at least they know that they're going to get them with some regularity. So I think there probably is going to be a little bit less impatience with the Ortiz fight, knowing that, A, it's a very credible, interesting fight, and, B, the fight that people really, really want is coming next after that as well. Right, right. So I, I think it's a, it's a win-win. And, you know, I think whether this is Deontay's intention or just an incidental benefit, it's hard to criticize Deontay now, you know, for taking, say, five fights i mean look at his his track record you know looking back the last couple of fights and looking forward the next couple of fights um there's risk there you know certainly you know deontay is going to be the favorite against sortis but given what happened you know in march of of 2018 it's certainly not a foregone conclusion and it's not a foregone conclusion certainly in the fury fight at all right so you know those are uh those are two risky fights You know, if Joshua is able to, you know, right the ship again, it's not a foregone conclusion that Deontay is sitting there undefeated at that time either. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's really a fascinating time in the heavyweight division. (laughs) And here, here's maybe a weird question, but uh, as a boxing TV executive, what does it mean for DAZN that Ruiz beat Joshua? We all know Joshua was a golden goose for them, uh, but is the attention that this upset got for their fledgling streaming channel worth it for them from your perspective?
0: It's a tough question because I, I can make the argument both ways. I can say, look, um, a, a lot of the the cachet, certainly in the short run of being undefeated and being this uh, superstar and gold medalist and uh, this phenomenon with all this momentum, that, that's gone. Um, but... You now have a rematch uh, coming up that is probably as uh, as high profile as anything that Joshua could do outside of Fury or Wilder. Right. right. So, and you know, like I said, he got a lot of attention, name recognition for the wrong reasons. Um, so, if he can sort of write that and write that decisively, um, I, I'm sure it's not the road that he would have wanted. It it certainly you know in the long run could turn out to be okay. I mean, there was no one in the latter half of you know, Lennox Lewis's career that kept pointing you like, yeah, but Hasim Rahman, but Hasim Rahman. I mean, right. Once he 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 did that and again, it's a one punch knockout. It's a little bit different, but once he avenged that, people sort of it was it was a footnote after that. Right.
1: right. So finally, when last we spoke, it was really soon after the the Wilder Fury negotiations had broken down the first time. And I think it's fair to say we were all a little concerned that heavyweight boxing had shot itself in the foot a little bit and was in danger of throwing away all the gains of a great 2018. Just a couple months later now, we look at, as you talked about, uh, all the attention that Deontay got for his knockout of Dominic, uh, the fact that he's announced these two big fights, everything that's going on around Ruiz Joshua. Do you feel we've dodged that bullet now? And are you confident and comfortable that the heavyweight train is back on track. And, and does this maybe sort of also point to the fact that it sometimes behooves us not to overreact to every bit of bad news and to sometimes take a deep breath and keep our eyes on the road ahead.
0: Oh, but overreacting is so much fun, it's so much <laughs> more interesting, especially when you're doing a podcast, right? You're supposed yeah. to overreact.
1: No, we're not um, very mellow. We're always very mellow on that. I know
0: you, you, you guys, yes, very measured uh, usually. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think we, we have a lot of intriguing questions now. Um, you know, back in in the Mayweather days, they always said, "Look, the the, the most interesting Mayweather fight would probably be the fight after he loses, mm. or the first fight after he loses mm. if he were to lose." I think we're in a similar situation with Joshua to see what is the reaction. We have a big question of how good really is Andy Ruiz? Um, you know, you could say, but for a disputed decision. Uh, to Parker, you know, he's, you know, he's got an undefeated record and he's got three belts. Um, and, you know, whatever his physical appearance is, you know, he's got the credentials to back up, you know, his championship status. Um, we have a new personality on what was a three headed monster. I'm not sure ready to say it's a four headed monster, but it's it's certainly, you know, three, three plus one, you know, right now. Um, so I, I think yeah, this is this is at least from that perspective of wanting an interesting heavyweight division, this is you know, an even better result than I think any of us would have would have guessed would or even hoped for. Again, I'm not wishing anything negative on Anthony Joshua by any means. But I'm just saying if you're sort of agnostic in terms of your fandom and just saying look, I want the heavyweights to be as interesting as possible, well, we we've got that now in, in a completely yeah. unexpected way yeah,
1: yeah. Stephen thanks very much it is always a pleasure to have you on and yeah it is a very interesting time and uh if you'll excuse us we now have to call up Gary Russell Jr. for our next
0: <laughs> please do please do and give him
1: my regards <laughs> thanks very all much right. Stephen
2: thanks Stephen all right thanks guys
1: And that'll do it for this special edition of the podcast. Thanks, as always, to Steven Espinoza for joining us. Uh, We will be back Monday with our scheduled episode that will have a review of Gennady Golovkin versus Steve Rolls, a preview of Tyson Fury versus Tom Schwartz, and a look at this year's International Boxing Hall of Fame. Uh, Until then, thanks for listening.